Hello, and welcome to season two of Crazy Pastors. I'm your host, Christopher Cass. And I'm your other host, Ronnie Marriott. And this is Crazy Pastors. Welcome to season two of Crazy Pastors. And today we're going to talk about the struggle with authority or of authority. We've titled this one, Respect My Authority. Authority? Authority. Come on, anyone know that one? Okay. Yeah. No. Thank you so much. I shouldn't have used that reference because it shows I've watched content that I probably shouldn't be okay. watching. Was that but, South Park? Yes. Okay. I just guessed. Is. But um, yeah. does this have anything to do with police officers or? Oh, no. Or talk? Okay. Oh, different no. types of authority. No, no, okay. no. No, All right. no this, this, is, this is totally different. Okay. This really goes back to Ronnie. You and I on uh, Monday, what the audience may or may not know is that you and I spend time together every single Monday morning, two to three hours, whatever that is. And yes, uh, it's my second favorite part of the week. <laughs> <laughs> That's your second, <laughs> second favorite part of the week? Yes. And the first is? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing appropriate comes to mind. Our I'm sorry. podcast is going straight downhill. <laughs> Uh, Mole removal. No, now, one of the reasons we do this every single week is that the relationship I feel between the executive pastor and the senior pastor of a church is the most critical relationship within the church, other than our relationship with the Lord. If our relationship goes south, then every department, every area, every meeting that we have that we lead within is going to go south too. Sure. So in that meeting this past Monday, we were talking about the issue of authority and some of the context here is that we we are a five-generation church. Yes. Every single generation responds to authority differently, and there's different types of authority that you can exercise. Right. And then we also talked about the culture that you work so hard to create of accessibility. Mm. Oh, yeah. Right? And being available, being open, having people to the house and sharing life together. And then how does that intertwine with the authority stuff? So. Yeah, was it you lead professionally, you lead positionally, you lead personally, the three piece. I don't think it's professional, but And you sound like a pastor. Different yeah, just different or should I say preacher. I sound like an alumni of Leadwell. Oh wow. So just those different approaches to leadership, right? And expectations. Yeah, and one the ones that we were talking about on Monday were the difference between experiential authority and positional or even spiritual authority. Yeah. So where I get that from is on the experiential side, you know, I spent the first 10 years of my ministry career as a coach, consultant, teacher, that kind of stuff, full-time. And so... A guru of sorts. Yeah, of very few things. But a church or a nonprofit would hire me to come in based upon my experience and expertise in a certain area. And so when I walked on site there, there was imbued already to me a sense of authority that, hey, we have hired this expert from afar to come in and handle these issues, or at least give counsel on these issues. It's very, very different from being in an organization full-time where sometimes that experiential authority doesn't transfer. You know, you and I were talking that the passage that a prophet is without honor in his hometown, and it's kind of ironic that at times I'll get sought after to provide counsel on a subject, but here at our own church, my counsel (laughs) is not sought after at all. Matter of fact, I think it's ironic that my ordaining church, which shall remain nameless right now, but a church I love yeah. uh, throughout all of my years in ministry, over 20 years, has never asked me to come <laughs> to back, come back and <laughs> to, to speak about anything or yeah. to be a part of a homecoming you know, celebration or anything. Yeah, you know, that's funny. I, the churches I've served, no one's ever asked me back to <laughs> preach a message, to 
the celebration of 25 year anniversary. Uh, I'm going to name this church. No, I won't do that. But yeah, isn't that wild? So same thing, right? So how do you how do you wrestle with that? Right? Well, it hurts. (laughs) I mean, it's like what I thought I did some good stuff and uh, it was well loved, but um, yeah, and whatever reason, that's on them, not on the minister necessarily. Unless you just really blew it and did some bad things. But I think just understanding that experience and people, there is ownership, right? We helped you get that experience, which is cool. There are some churches that's with that That's the way mindset. it should be, right? That's the way it should be. And that's kind of what we're trying to create the culture here. Because experience does matter. You know, when I was in school, we had to be serving in a church somewhere, even if it was volunteer, not paid, just as a part of our educational experience. I don't know if that still goes on today with institutions, but it should. And that's why I'm glad that we get to provide that through our residence program. It's certainly a good attitude to have that we have paid or even paved the way for you to have the experience that you have. So therefore, we should have the right, actually, to take advantage of that from time to time. That should be on our brochure, paid or paved, either way. That's another podcast. Drew, make a note of that. Yeah. (laughs) Paid or paved. That's good. Okay, so let me ask you this. Unbeknownst to the audience, we actually have some very, very gifted, talented young people in the room with us right now. Yay. And we're blessed that our church, while we are an aged senior leadership team, (laughs) we have some, uh, we have a lot of young, super talented people. We do. They're fun. And sometimes there is tension between the young, super talented yes. and the old guys that have a lot of experience. Right. So how do you manage, and this really gets into different age categories within the church. Yeah. Does that make sense, the tension I'm talking about? or It does, and you... it kind of goes back to the whole idea, of, do you lead positionally? Hey, you need to listen to me because I have this title. Or do you lead relationally? And I know personally I'm more the relational guy. Even, even down, you know, people ask, what do they call you? What, what, what should we call you? Well, call me Ronnie. I mean, I like Pastor Ronnie, I'll be honest, but I, I want to be known as Ronnie. And so I think that's my style. It's not everybody's style, and not saying one is better than the other, but that's the way I like to lead because I like to know the people I lead and build that trust and hang out and be friends. I think that's good. It does have a, a negative side. Sometimes the respect is not there necessarily. Sometimes that's a blurred line. How, how about, let me interject here real quick. You st- Please do. Sometimes the respect is not there. Because I was going on a good thought, so don't just break <laughs> that. So. Well, I question whether it was really that good of a thought. <laughs> but it did spur something within me, which I think is even more important. Yeah. Uh, the, the issue may not be of respect, right? But it's the issue of familiarity, right? And sometimes, at least for you and I, okay, just for me, Sometimes the familiarity I interpret as lack of respect when, in fact, from the person who's speaking, it's not meant to be that way. Right. I mean, that maybe is a harsh term. I don't know what other term you would use. I don't know that familiarity is the right term, but just that, oh, it'll be okay, or Ronnie will understand, or he didn't really mean it. That, you know, that that kind of a deal. And And so in those occasions, you do have to, as we lovingly call it, a come to Jesus meeting. To, to reestablish that. And I don't think there's any ill intent, no, what, not whatsoever. But just that familiarity can breed complacency, maybe? Well, the, the phrase is right, familiarity breeds contempt. Contempt, there it is. Right. I'm going to start with a C. So you just have to kind of guard against that. I just wonder what that looks like for you, all right? So we know here at this church we have developed a culture that matches you, right? I mean, it has to. Your DNA has to press in upon the entire church 
right. as God is leading you. Yeah. But more, even more precisely, your DNA should be pressed into all of the staff of our church. Yeah. Right. So, it, how do you deal with the fact that we'll get together with our staff in our homes? around a fire pit outside this time of the year and hang out. Yeah. But then we still have to go to the office the next day. And there are times when a leader must speak with power and authority. Yeah. And then your style, though, and our intentional style is more collaborative in nature. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think, it, again, you can use this term, the vision is the key. I think for most people like that, we all want to go to the same direction. We, we all want to get to the same goal our views of how that happens typically are different. I mean, if you have somebody that's like, no, nah, that's not part of my vision, well, they're probably not a good fit for the team. And that's that's the extreme. But just in like, yeah, we all want to get here, but I think this would be a better way and this would be a better way. So that does go both ways to hear opinions and ideas and share. But at the end of the day, the person that's at the head has to make that decision. So hanging out at your house is good to be able to build that freedom to have that kind of discussion without feeling restricted or being threatened by that, but also that, yeah, okay, at the end of the day, I I understand that even though I may not like your call, I need to stay in line with with the call that you made. I'm sure that you've probably experienced, maybe you haven't experienced this, I don't know. Um, I certainly have where I have uh, come into an organization as a consultant, uh, and there was a tyrannical senior leader who only exercised power who only led through edict. Right. And yeah. when he spoke, it was E.F. Hutton. Everyone stopped <laughs> and paid attention. Yes. Now, what I hear you saying, though, is that really that's to lead that way is a failure in leadership. Yeah. Where we can come into problem is when we don't allow the team to collaboratively be a part of creating solutions. Yeah, but what what is your casism? What is the the line that you say about everyone has an equal? Oh, everyone has an equal voice, right. but an unequal vote. Right. Yeah, I think that's good, and that's kind of the way it is, and way it should be, just to keep that health. Because at the end of the day, the guy that's in charge is going to have to answer for what happened or didn't happen. You know. I think the great irony of this week, actually, is that we had this conversation on Monday. Yeah. Tuesday, we had a staff meeting. I handled the situation in the staff meeting in a way I should not have done. Yeah. Because I made a definitive statement and then opened it for conversation. Yeah. When, in fact, what should have happened is I should have, I should have cast vision for an issue yeah. and allowed the team to discuss the issue and then come up with a solution. See, instead. And that's a great point. And that's really hard to do as a leader to sit back and be silent and let people bounce things around. And, and I think there is a, okay, we're looking to the leader to solve this issue, but there's health in discussing and debating that issue. As I often say, we've, we've lost the ability to reason and debate. And so that is point-counterpoint or presenting both mm-hmm. sides of the argument, which is okay because even out of that you can come to a conclusion, consensus, whatever, that, that is healthier than the, the two sides that it started out. So, Ronnie, a real question here is, though, you are the lead pastor, or in many other contexts, the senior (laughs) pastor of this church. Yes, I prefer lead pastor, but... You have an authority placed on you that is different from everybody else here. Yes. Uh, If you do apply Hebrews 13.7 to... I think that's the right verse. Sure. I'm pretty sure it is. If you apply that verse, then you're going to be held to a standard for the responsibility oh, of leadership yes. over all of us, staff and congregation. Yeah. 
Which scares me to death. (laughs) As it should all pastors, (laughs) right? So as as the chief overseer of this ministry, you are imbued with authority. What are times when you need to speak that way and just say, look, this is what we're going to do? Or have you ever had to do that? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think in times of confusion, times of crisis, when there's people are freaking out over what are we supposed to do here? They're looking for somebody to come in and make a decision. You know, just think about that's interesting when you, you consider the model that seems to be becoming popular nowadays where you have two or three pastors that are the lead pastors, the co-pastors. Okay, at some point, you know, if they're not in total agreement, somebody's got to step up and make a call. And so there are those times. But I think if you build in that trust and that relationship prior to having to make that kind of a call, then it does actually bring peace rather than division. Because, I mean, a, a senior guy coming in saying, hey, no, this is what we're going to do. I don't care what you think. I don't, I don't want to hear your opinion. Well, that's divisive. But someone who says, all right, let's, let's hear what you have to say, but, okay, at the end of the day, hey, you give me choose A, B, or C, well, we're going to go with D, <laughs> right? But you've heard A, B, and C. So I just think that's back to that relational idea of, okay, yeah, I didn't even see that option out there, but I trust that this is the way we should go. I try to think of some rules of when to exercise different types of authority, kind of like we know that in times of crisis, a leader must speak. Right. Right, whether it was the tornado that knocked a home down in your community. Giuliani, I mean, you see time and time again. Bush during that same season of 9-11. And there's times in the church where definitely the leader has to speak. Elections, I mean, riots. Yeah. Uh, This COVID-19. I mean, there have been lots of reasons to speak. Right. What I'm thinking through and processing even as, as we talk is perhaps there a good guideline is that the amount of authority that you use, especially positional authority, should perhaps be minimized based upon the length of time allowed to make a decision. Yeah. Right? So, like, we had a, a massive medical emergency two weeks ago in our services. Right. And it was a serious big crisis in our church. Yes. impacted every single venue all of our services, it was a big deal, yeah. not because it wasn't a normal, it, it was it was beyond the scope of a normal medical emergency that happens in churches all the time. Correct. Now, in that moment, we have 10 minutes to make some major decisions, <laughs> Yeah. right? Yeah. And so in that moment, there's not enough time to open it up for everyone to give input on what they think we should be doing. Yeah. Ultimately, your authority as lead pastor has to say, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Or if it's not you, it's someone that you have bestowed that authority onto. But ultimately, a person has to be making those decisions. Well, you know, yeah, instead of a leader, 95% of what a leader does, anybody can do. It's that 5%. Yes. Those calls in the moment, that those kind of things is why people look to you as a leader and how you establish yourself. But also just a thought on that, too. I mean, you think about the president of the United States of America. He has advisors. Mm-hmm. Right? He's leading the free world. He's leading these people. But there's a group that he... He really values their input, and even that's an option. So with your team, it may be a point that you're gathering information from your team, but you, you've got to have an outside team that looks at an issue, you know, from whatever buying land of a church or planning a church or mm-hmm. some other things that comes in and gives you some insight and wisdom as well so that when you do speak, it's not just because this is what I want as the leader or what my thought is, but I've, I've actually sought counsel in addition to listening to the team outside counsel to try to gain some wisdom on this issue. Well, I agree with you 100%. And perhaps as a closing thought to this podcast, I think it's important for our 
you know, the, the vast numbers of people listening to this podcast right now, <laughs> for them to understand that at our church, we do things differently. Yes. And even in an email exchange I had we're with crazy. another— Because we're crazy. <laughs> I had an email exchange with another pastor yeah. Uh, yeah. from another church yesterday, and yeah. he his comment was, oh, I had no idea <laughs> that you did things like that. Right. He thought, okay, well, that was a big reminder to me that I guess we are, in fact, crazy and are doing things differently. Yeah. In particular, our leadership culture that we have here is incredibly messy. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly messy. Yes. We have a tremendous number of incredibly talented young people. And purposely so. Yes. And I think that's the part that's significant. There is order to the madness, yet we are striving so hard, one, for us to be better all the time, personally, Yeah. you and I, yeah. but... In, in conjunction with that, there is intense beauty and value that you and I have in seeing young people continue to blossom in their ministry, in their leadership aptitude, in their abilities to do things here, but way beyond here in the future. Yeah. And there's not much I would value more in my career, I think, than being able to look back and count how many people are in senior leadership positions in other churches that have come through here, Yeah. which means... Yeah. We're going to lead collaboratively. Yeah. We're going to make lots of mistakes. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of hurt feelings along the way because it's messy style of leadership. Yeah. But because we also talk about enter the danger, never lead alone, and we have those difficult conversations where a lot of times we're going to eat crow. Me yeah. personally more than you because I'm much more of a jerk than you are. Well, amen. Yeah. But yeah, and just comparing, you know, you and I have had opportunities to write through the years and one of the things I love about the whole creative process is the brainstorming aspect. Where you sit in a room with a group of people, somebody throws out an idea, and then you massage it, beat it up, change it, turn it, and it comes out with some a beautiful idea. And then ultimately the editor is responsible for producing that material. Well, the editors of people is the one people notice. I mean, I, I, your name may be listed on the writer aspect, but nobody's going to you to talk about why this was in there. They're going to the person that produced it. And so they're... There has to, that is a risk, but that's where that leader has to be able to say, I've, I'm taking ownership to this. And if any negative, any flat comes back, it's going to be on me. So I've got to be prepared. So if I need to make a call that's a little bit sideways from what everybody thought ought to happen, that's because I know that this is going to be the best way we can produce or speak or lead or whatever we're trying to do. Absolutely. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Pastors for our Crazy Pastors Nation out there. Man, if you fast. have topics you want to discuss, <laughs> things that you would like us to, to think about or talk about, please email us at crazypastors at firstburleson.org. Thanks for listening, yes. and we'll see you next time. Later. Later.